So hello and welcome to those Vicar Blokes. I'm Howell the Nerdy Vicar. And I'm Dave Coaches. So you've been up to him, Dave? Well, I went to um, the Westerly Harvest Auction. Oh, right. And it, it was good fun. It was oh, in right. the new inn. Oh, yeah. It was nice, yeah, you know. That sounds like a laugh. Do you know, I had a really interesting conversation with, with uh, a person in uh, St. Peter's on the weekend. Did you? It was a review of the of the podcast. Yeah. They said it was really good. They enjoyed the podcast and all that. And apparently we gave away our ages last week, didn't we? Did we? Yeah, we did, yeah. Oh, and he not. goes, I can't believe that Dave is younger than you. I thought he was no. at least five years older. Clear off. That's what he said. You were making it up. No, 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 you no. come on here telling lies like No, that. no, I'm telling you. He said, right, he said, oh, I was really shocked with the podcast this week. He said, I was really shocked that Dave is You know why that is, you. don't you? Why? Because I watch more adult telly than you and you watch cartoons no, all the time it, that's said, what it is he said he had a cartoons. more he said he had a more older take on things that's what he because said because I show greater wisdom <laughs> <laughs> I was so chuffed I came home I said you know that's good because I always get told I'm old um, so that's what that's what I've been up to what else have I been up to this week I went to uh, been down in the gym that was good um, I went fishing that was good yeah you went yeah, fishing went yeah. fishing I enjoyed that so I've been, yeah, sort of just trying to get into the sort of September sort of run of things, really. Um, so that's what we've been up to. So what are we on about this week on, on this then? Uh, we talk about um, art. Oh, yeah. And we share our views on what art is and what art's not. I'm a cultural Whether person. It's subjective or objective. Yeah, we talk about an art guy who's uh, an art gallery who had to pay £58,000. And you bought the news this week, didn't I you? I did, so because good, I yeah. thought I was really into 58 grand for for blank canvases. Yeah. So is that one. And in the Bible section, what are we on about? Lesser prophets, hope, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Daniel, all the exile stuff. Yeah. And then we're talking about what's it, shelter. shelter. On uh, on Prime, so hold on to your hats for the um, for the music, and we'll kick it off. So, Howell, what's in the news this week? Well, I've actually seen the news this week. Yeah, yeah just a bit. News, yeah. I've seen some news, yeah. It was this um, weird story that in uh, Denmark, there's this art gallery that commissioned a piece of art and, art, and they paid £58,000 for it. And the guy who uh, gave the art in gave him a bunch of blank canvases and says, that's my art, give me my money. Yeah, and I forgot well, what his quote was. The art, artwork was called something funny. I thought it was really funny. It was basically give me the money or something, wasn't it? It was called take the money and run. Take the money and run. That was take it. Take the money and run so, display. So the art, the artwork was a bunch of blank canvases, which cost the gallery fifty eight grand. Well, it sounds more if you put it into the kroner. Um, it was five hundred thousand Danish kroner. Five hundred grand. That sounds like a lot of money. Yeah, it? <laughs> so it was five hundred grand's worth to be of fair, art. I think fifty-eight thousand quid's quite a lot of money. It is two blank canvases that they could have bought in Rajanis. Yeah, it is, and it's just take the money and run. And and he, the the gallery sued him basically, and he said, no, 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 it is actually a piece of art, isn't it? Well, 
It, apparently. Apparently it I is. Mean, I mean, I'm all for this art is subjective and the beauty is in the eye of the beholder and all that, but... Um, oh, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, 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 I get this bit of art less than I get most. Oh, no, but I thought it, it was something to come up really. It was just kind of like one of those sort of bugbears of mine, which is modern art, right? And if you go to um, the art gallery in Bristol, you know, the one that's just up from the university, yeah, that yeah. one, right? Yeah. It's really quite, um, it hits you right in the face, really. But as you go through these galleries, seeing all these beautiful paintings, all these, this amazing craftsmanship that has made these uh, paintings, and each of the paintings has a, either a story behind it or is trying to invoke something about yeah. being human, right? And then you open the door and you go into the modern bit, and it's just garbage, it's just nonsense. There's just nothing there. It's just empty. When I went in there, there was this big sort of meter cube of tea. Oh, what? A meter cube of tea. Tea? Tea, yeah. Oh, what? And you weren't thirsty at the time? So no, I weren't. No, it was just like tea. And I was just like, what is this rubbish? And then all these people are going, oh, it's this and oh, it's that. And I was like, no, it's not. Because I, I, I don't think art is subjective as much as they say, I think it's objective. And I think that, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff we get now is just, that's just an example really of what, what we have now really, which is not art. But you know, are you into art at all? I, I wouldn't say I'm into art. I, I do quite enjoy going around the museums and art galleries though. Um, we went to the one in, Glasgow a couple of years ago. Its names escaped me. Oh yeah, I know the um, one. Yeah, with the Saint John of the Cross in it. Yeah, and that's you know there. I'm not into all of the bits that are in there, but I'm into into some of them, and I quite enjoy them. And obviously, I've grown up in 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 a city that um, boasts to be the home of um, the world's most famous graffiti artist. Yeah, um, Banksy. Know, Banksy. And so I do, I do quite like to see. Well, his thing good is good graffiti. You, there's not a lot of good graffiti there in Bristol. Is. That bit on those houses down on the side of the M32, they're good. Well, the one by IKEA, they're yeah, it's all right. That's good. Yeah, but it's not. Most of it's not. Most of it's not very good. I don't think. Ah, oh, I, I quite like that scene. Do you? Yeah. Hmm. I, well, I prefer good graffiti to bad graffiti, and that's the thing. Well, how would you judge whether it's good graffiti or bad well, graffiti? Well, because if it's just somebody who scribbles on a wall and it's just, just a blooming stupid name, tagging, that's bad graffiti, isn't it? Or, um, well, that's totally subjective, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, but you've just said... You oh, just said it was objective, not subjective. No, I think good art is objective, because it forms... I'll tell you why in a minute, but the thing is, if you don't have a standard of what art is, right... And what what beauty is, and that's always been the human standard, which transcends culture and yeah. everything, right? Yeah, and that's what we've thrown out now with modern art and all that sort of thing. So people just make money out of it. Is... Yeah, but that's still a window into humanity, isn't it? But it's not art, though, is it? No, but making money was the priority. Yeah. Um. But that doesn't say anything positive about. That's my thing. I think about modern art is it's very by its nature it's very bleak. A lot of it is extremely bleak. There's nothing uplifting with a lot of it. You know, it's just it, because 
the the na- by its nature, it's all about kind of how everything is pointless, how nothing really means anything. So that's why you get those big canvases with all the like splodges of paint all over them and stuff. Yeah. The point to them is to say that nothing really means anything. That's what postmodernism is. It's nothing really means anything. Everything's of subjective, so it doesn't really matter. That's what. Yeah, that's probably true. Now, I was that's... listening to a podcast this week. Um, yeah. The rest is politics. Um, Alistair Campbell and Rory Stewart oh, present. You really need to get a life, mate. That's well, you've so... got to listen to Summit in the Car. And it's either <laughs> that or, or that mind numbing stuff they call music nowadays, isn't it? Well, yeah. Um, and so the reality of that was that. Um, Rory Stewart's got a book out, and I'm not promoting his book, but there was a one of the episodes was a snippet of him reading from the book. Yeah. And it was about um, how there was an organization who apparently got Barack Obama elected, started working with the Conservative Party in order to get them more votes in the election. And it basically looks at the 2015 election and how um, this organization that target people's social media oh right yeah. um, that's like that uh, was cambridge, cambridge analytica, analytica yeah. yeah yeah same yeah. sort of thing same same effort really um but what they do is they tell you what people want so you can say what they want and i think that's what's happened to the arts Right, and I put music in that category as well, which is why the radio is not good to listen to so much anymore. Okay, yeah. because it all gets a little bit samey, yeah, and a little bit dull because actually that's what the masses want. That's a so, bit snobby, isn't it? I know. That's really I, snobby. That is. Well, maybe it's normally you that's snobby. I'm not snobby. Me? That's really snobby. That is. That's like saying, "Oh well." That's what the proles want, so we just throw the proles like McDonald's and they'll be happy sort of thing. Yeah, well, that I, but that's of... the attitude. That's the commercial attitude. So that's, that's this horrible. guy's attitude with art. He's actually, he actually thinks that that this will be successful. Because... Well, it might be, actually, if you, had enough, if you had people who wanted to be sort of pseudo-intellectual and talk about it and make themselves look clever, yeah. I bet you, yeah, because if we read the court case, it was a kind of open question of whether it was art or not. And some, yeah. Some people were like, oh, yeah, of course it is, and blah, blah. It's just because but the be, polls don't like, understand it. But he know? lost in the court case, didn't he? And he had yeah. given the money back. But I'd be yeah. interested to know <clears throat> whether or not that museum got so much good publicity out of it they made that more they money. More, made more money than they lost out of somebody submitting. Because he wasn't the whole exhibition. He was only a small part of it, wasn't he? So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, actually yeah, the publicity yeah, yeah. for the rest of it might have drawn loads of people in. It might have done, yeah. But Ben from Froomside was saying about this. He called it because he used to be a music teacher, didn't he? Yeah. And he, he was talking about this ages ago. He talked about it, he called it the McDonaldization of music. Yeah. Where basically it's all written by algorithms, right? And it's written by computers, and they've got a formula that they follow, right? That they know people will like because it's there to fire off dopamine in their brains. Yeah. So things like that, um, K-pop and stuff like that's like that. Yeah. Yeah, the ones that you've got the catchy song you can't get out of your head even though you yeah. hate it. So what they've done, they've kind of commodified that and then sold it en masse. But that isn't art, though, because I was thinking of this the other day. I was watching um, The un- un- Usual Suspects. Do you remember that from 1990s, a-, a film from the 90s? No. All right. You need to watch The Usual Suspects, right? 
It's one of the top films from the 90s, right? Excellent film, right? You know, the way it's made, there's no green screen in it. It's proper characters. You know, there's good stakes and all that. It's a really good piece of cinema, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that 90s cinema was better than now. It just means that we've forgotten about, um, you know, what's it called? Ace Ventura Pet Detective, which was out at the same time. That was brilliant. You liked Ace Ventura. No. I was going to say, I don't know about it. <laughs> but there was a lot of rubbish out at the same time. But the, what happens, I think, is over time, uh, the rubbish falls away and only the good stuff survives, isn't it? Yeah. And it's the it's it's a romanticised past, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it was just as much rubbish then. So I think it's not that there's no good music out now. Uh, it's just um, that we... we that only the good stuff from the past we've still got. And maybe it's the same with art. Maybe that, you know, in 150 years, all this stuff will just go because it's just a silly fad and we'll just have the, so the cubic meter of tea will disappear and uh, we'll we'll have whatever's good that's left over. Well, maybe, but won't people look back fondly at the cubic meter of tea? No. Because it will be a pioneer or a no. or a pinnacle or but, yeah, I I think I think I believe maybe we'll finish this section with this. It's quite it's, I believe in that there's something called objective reality, right? In other words, that the outside world is there and certain things are beautiful by their nature and certain things are ugly by their nature, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, that's just the way it is, okay? And that's the way it's always been. So buildings, people, uh, animals, nature, whatever, certain things are beautiful and certain things are not beautiful. And I think this idea that beauty is entirely in the eye of the beholder um, goes against who we are as human beings. Because I think beauty is something we respond to through our nature. Yeah, okay. Do you see what I mean? We're naturally drawn to things which are beautiful. We are, but we don't always find beauty in the same things. Roughly we do. Roughly we do. You can show that mathematically. Yeah, maybe. And I get that, but... but How does the view of beauty then get changed over time? Well, it kind of doesn't. Well, it does so, doesn't it? Because because we can. All right, let let's take your let's take your film analogy and roll yeah. it back, right? Um, I reckon Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, <laughs> probably That's dreadful made a lot of money. At yeah, the it time. did. Yeah, yeah, probably. It yeah. probably had a bit of a following. It probably now has a cult following. I don't know. We might do. No, yeah, I don't know either. Put it in the comments if you're a fan of. It's Ventura Pet Detective. But, but it's going to be looked back at people who watched it at the time fondly. Mm. And so at the time it was considered a good film. Mm. Not by you. Mm. Not by me. Yeah. I, I think I saw it in the cinema, actually. I think I can't remember. Um, I have seen it. I remember it was pretty you've bad. You've got it on DVD, I reckon. I haven't got it on DVD. I don't have that rubbish in my house. Blu-ray. You've upgraded to Blu-ray. Blu- <laughs> um, but, you know, we, but, but those... Do we evolve into liking different things, or 
does culture dictate that we like different things? Um, some things are timeless and other things are time limited. I think most things are, are time limited, but it's the timeless things which are truly beautiful. Yeah, I, then I think I agree with that. That's what I think. I think that time will sift the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. It's a bit like shell suits, right? Is that we all wore shell suits in the 80s, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now we're all embarrassed about wearing them. It's like you've got the 70s night coming up in St. Nick's, right? In the 70s, brown was beautiful. Now everyone's embarrassed. But true beauty is something which is timeless and transcends things. So, uh, Shark Cathedral is always going to be beautiful. Yeah. You see what I mean? As yeah. a building, right? While the shard, you know, in 50 years, they'll pull it down. Yeah. Because it's not beautiful, is it? Not really. No. It's just absurd. It's like the gherkin in the Met in, in London. It's, what yeah. is it? You know what I mean? Well, we got, we got the yeah. Spectrum building at the end of the M32. And when I was a kid, it was new. It was one of the first glass buildings anywhere. And, you know, all of a sudden it was, it was special. And I, I told one of the boys where they needed to get the bus last week. Yeah. And I said, oh, you get it outside the Spectrum building. And they went, the what? Yeah. It was iconic when I was a kid. And it's like, where? Yeah. And they've lived here all their lives. And, you know, and they, they're like, oh, what, opposite McDonald's? Yep, that's yeah, the one. That's the one. That's the one. Because all of a sudden, the cultural reference is McDonald's and not the Spectrum building. Yeah. That's amazing, really. That's the thing. So in the news this week, we've had a lot of stuff. So, you know, we'll we'll think about that a bit more in a minute. But, yeah, in our next bit, we'll be talking about uh, the exile and uh, Ezekiel and Daniel and all that and what happened after the Israelites got whacked. So thanks for listening to those Vicar Blokes. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to. Subscribe to us on Substack, Google, Spotify. I went back and looked at the comments on Substack. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I couldn't get in before it, didn't let me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you've got the the handle for those yeah, Vicar Blokes. Yeah. So I'm now in there as Dave Coaches. So I'll try and keep an eye on it. And if you don't tell me there's comments, I'll still see them. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, yeah. We've answered some of those comments. Yeah, keep so. on commenting on the Substack. Yeah. Um, it's been quite interesting, really, because like sometimes we get some nice comments. We say we're dead good. Other times you get comments. Uh, not with, many of those, though, is there? Not many of those, no, I've got to be honest. But that's okay. But it's good to get a bit of feedback. And, and, and actually, sometimes we're wrong, aren't we? Yeah. You know, and yeah. and if you read the comments, basically, that's what the comments are going to be now, is us being wrong and saying, oh, sorry, we were wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a litany of apologies. So please um, comment on it and subscribe to us. And uh, off you go. Dave Coach's Bible Bus Trip. So on uh, Dave Coach's Bus Trip Through the Bible, this week we're talking about um, the exile. So last week 
we talked about how the city of Jerusalem and Israel was destroyed by the Babylonians and how God kept on saying to them, change your ways, change your ways, change your ways. They never listened. They ended up worshipping Molech and Baal and various other people and ended up getting completely destroyed. So in the end, Jerusalem was destroyed. uh, Israel was destroyed. Everything was destroyed. And what they did, they took anybody was worth taking. So they took all the educated people, all the elite of Israel, off to Babylon uh, to be slaves of the emperor uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, and, and 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 all of the strong men and all of, but then they were most of them weren't survived. But you know, yeah, you know, anybody that could be used was used. Yeah. Anybody that was no use was discarded. Yeah, um, you know. So Z- Jeremiah hangs around in in Ezekiel in, in Jerusalem after it's been destroyed uh, with the people who were left, who were just like, you know, most of them are dead. There's just a few people there. Um, while everybody else goes off, is captured and taken off into slavery. So the story is that in Exodus, the slaves escape Egypt into their promised land, and then as a consequence of their actions, they're taken back into slavery by Nebuchadnezzar. So it's a kind of repositioning of them. And they're people who are in despair, really, because they've lost everything, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, they... They are lacking hope by the time that it happens. Yeah, because they've lost their temple, they've lost their identity, they've lost their culture, they've lost everything. And they they? feel forsaken. Yeah. Because even those that that had been true to their faith um, have seen their whole worlds turned upside down and broken apart. Um, Yeah. So they haven't actually... So, yeah, so they have actually been forsaken by God... And in their mind, it's like, well, what's the point of worshiping this god? Because he's rubbish. Yeah. Because I've always worshipped him, but I'm still here, and these horrible things have happened to me, even though I've been faithful to yeah. the covenant. But the rest of the community, or lots of people in the community, haven't been, isn't it? Mm. It is, yeah. So, what books are we talking about with this period of the Bible? And Dave, can you remember? We're talking about Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Yeah. Right. Um, we're talking. Um, Daniel. Yeah, we're talking all those other ones that fit between them in those little thin pages. Yeah, some of the minor prophets. Yeah, yeah, yeah like Zachariah and people yeah. like that. Yeah, little ones. Um, and also as well, we're talking about the middle of Isaiah as well, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Isaiah's um a very Isaiah's great because it's so poetic even in its english translations it is isn't it yeah. Yeah. yeah whereas a lot of the poetry of the bible is lost in translation for whatever reason isaiah keeps that um and what was quite interesting is and i never knew this till theology college is that isaiah's style changes um during the book so there's this three predominant authors stroke communities of authors as opposed to to one continuous so yeah so there's splits in it where you where you feel the the tempo and the, and the style change yeah it's just it's a school of prophets mm. rather it's the isaiah school of prophets rather than one bloke yeah so they think it started before the exile with the first bit of isaiah 
and then the second part of Isaiah is while they're in Babylon, and then the third part of Isaiah, which starts, I think, Isaiah 61, I think, onwards, is where they've actually returned to Israel. So the style of the songs changes, because most yeah. of Isaiah is just poetry, isn't it? Yeah. You know, but what's the type of poetry that we get there? Because most of it's poetry in uh, Ezekiel and Isaiah. There's a lot of poetry in Daniel as well. But what, what style poetry do you get in Ezekiel? Well, the theory is that it's song. Right. So it should be sung. Um, and therefore, that's why it gets its... So it fits to a rhythm. Um, and not all poetry fits to a rhythm. Um, but this does fit to a rhythm of of ancient music so um, so basically you're saying murfield's right again in the way that we used to sing isaiah and ezekiel songs in morning and evening prayer then well if that's what you did yeah monks have sung them for thousands of years yeah yeah that's well what plain song chant is we used to yeah we used to have the art of singing psalms as well but that's uh well, we used to, it's, yeah. a, it's a dying breed isn't it it's well plain song song's thing. still going plain song yeah. chant is still um I think less than it was. Less than it was, yeah. But plain song chant is something which I again I put in the objectively beautiful category. It's the only church music I like. But these these songs from you don't like the the modern worship songs. No, you think that when we look back in history, they'd have lost their place. Possibly. Wow, this is <laughs> this is this is a complete aside. Um, we're going to be talking about the exile. But the Wesleys used to write songs to go with every sermon. That's right. So they had thousands of them. Yeah. And actually, in our hymn books, there are probably only about a hundred of them left. Yeah. Um, but there were so there were thousands, and we were left with a hundred. Um, so now we have thousands of modern worship songs. In a couple of hundred years, we might look back at it, and there might be twenty. 20 that has survived yeah but that's um, just the nature of art that's isn't the it? nature of yeah that's the nature of things isn't it and maybe because really they're just not good enough no but that's what that's what makes isaiah jeremiah uh, isaiah's songs and ezekiel's songs so beautiful and amazing is because they have survived so long yeah they've stood the test of time is that you know they didn't have to be included in scripture you know we could have thrown them out at whatever point we wanted to but they still speak to that um, deep need for hope that's within us and I think if we think about the songs in Ezekiel they are like them bones and bones and dry bones hear yeah. the word of the Lord that's one of the songs isn't yeah. it yeah when he calls to the bones and they all come together there's another wonderful song about um, this river that comes out of the temple and flows throughout the land and it feeds everything yeah. in the land and but they are they are songs written in period of desolation mm. that are full of hope and expectation, and that's what makes them the joy that they are. Yeah, because they're written at a time where to a people who've lost everything. Yeah, and it is like that. You know, we say about the Boney M song. You know, from uh, the Psalms, isn't it? Uh, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat down where we remembered Zion. You mm. get that sense of lament in the Psalms. I didn't tell you last week, did I? What? I've seen Boney M live. Have you? I have, yeah. You're not old enough for that, are I you? I am, yeah. <sighs> Boney M? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
probably on the same night that I saw um, Buster Bloodvessel and his band. Um, <laughs> I went three or four times with the people I used to work with um, in the insurance office to um, the adult weekenders at Butlins. Oh, Mined. Yeah, and they were good. Oh. Boney M were there on one of those occasions. My sister went to one of them. She went to a 90s one. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you know, there's that. Oh, I won't talk about that story, otherwise, she'll kill. No, she won't kill me. My brother in law, I'll tell you about it afterwards. Yeah, all right. Yeah, anyway. So they went to a 90s one. Yeah. But so the, the, I saw Howard from Take That. He was a DJ at the time, though. Did you? Yeah. Ah. He was on the like half past one set. Till three in the morning, so <laughs> a bit of a downhill yeah, thing, right downhill. But I think, I think. So the thing is with these songs is from Ezekiel and uh, Isaiah, they are extreme images of beauty and wonder and hope to a people who are in desolation. And I think what it tells us really is that I think they're really powerful because in our society sometimes we can feel like we're losing things either on a personal level on a national level on an international level like in covid i found them really helpful and profound because yeah. they they speak into that sense that we have of things falling apart sometimes and that intense hope that god is with us even though it feels as though he's not yeah like i i do remember that isaiah's middle of isaiah's songs from exile were in um, January 2021, and that was probably one of the darkest times of COVID, and they were set for morning prayer. Yeah, they were. Yeah, And I think that for a lot of people, just saying those songs helped us to see the deeper truth of hope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the trouble with that, though, is that in April 2020, we had the plagues affecting Egypt, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Plague after plague yeah. after plague affecting Egypt. So <laughs> that was quite funny. So it doesn't always work out Sometimes like that. you've got to pick the right bits to, yeah. uh, for what you need at the time. And maybe Morning Prayer doesn't always speak into our life circumstance, but it certainly did in January 21, you're right. Yeah. When we hit that that third period of lockdown, wasn't it? Because we'd had the the long period at the start. We'd had the Christmas one, and then we we thought we were getting there, and then all of a sudden we were we were back in again, weren't we? For yeah. several months, it was some. Um, yeah, it's when uh, Boris Johnson turned into the sheriff of Nottingham from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Remember, he shouts, "Call off Christmas!" Doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, that one. But I think that's the thing is so that's part of this part of scripture. Really, is is poetry spoken to these people? But there's also stories in it. So what are the main stories from Daniel? A lot of them are quite familiar for people from this period of the... Do you mean the Sunday school bits? Yeah. Yeah, because Daniel's quite well known in Sunday schools, isn't he? Because he's... um, For the long and the short of the story is that he's the trusted prophet of... Come on, brain. Work. Who's the guy in charge at the time? Nebuchadnezzar. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so, um, but Nebuchadnezzar's wife quite fancies Daniel, doesn't she? So trust you to she, remember these bits. Yeah. Okay. She suggests that he's a naughty boy and he won't be a naughty boy. Yeah. And the people stitch him up as well with um, bringing in, and they're jealous because he's he's Nebuchadnezzar's favourite. That's it. And so they bring in this thing about him. Uh, 
um, not about really. worship about how Nebuchadnezzar should be worshipped and how worship and anything else should be banned for a period of time, and Daniel refuses. So they grass him up, and he admits to the fact that he's still going to worship God as opposed to um, Nebuchadnezzar, and so he gets. They suggest his punishment should be that he goes to the lion's den. So he goes to the lion's den and survives overnight. Yeah. The lions weren't hungry for some reason. He, he, when he was alone, he, he stood for the worship of God because he knew that it was going after other gods and worshipping other gods that had brought about the catastrophe on the people of Israel and the destruction of Jerusalem. It doesn't tell us that in Daniel, though, does it? But that is the story. Oh, I'm not, I'm not disputing that. Yeah. What I'm saying is that if you took Daniel in isolation mm. without putting it in the context of the rest of it, then you would be left wondering why you would take the risk of being thrown in the lion's den. Be- because the I, I think it's because the worship of the wrong gods always leads to disaster. But he didn't have to worship the wrong god. Well, he, he he only had to cease to worship the right god for a short time. Yeah, but it's the same story as uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and uh, Abednego, isn't it? Yeah, where they they say anybody who doesn't worship the image of Nebuchadnezzar will be thrown in the fiery furnace, isn't it? Mm. And then they refuse to do so, and then they get thrown in the fiery furnace and survive, isn't it? Yeah. So they're both the same story is that worshipping um, idols uh, leads to disaster. And even though... Well, they are the same story, but but Daniel didn't have to worship Nebuchadnezzar. No, he didn't. He only no. had to refrain from worship. But he saw that his purpose in life was to worship God and be led by God into truth and justice and 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 he was he was a prophet to Nebuchadnezzar, didn't he really? Yeah. Um but but greed and selfishness got in Nebuchadnezzar's way. And yeah. the want for power. Yeah. Um well he was a kind of ancient emperor, so he wasn't exactly a nice guy. Let's be fair. No, but it's funny though, isn't it, how so many of these people in powerful positions come across as nice guys for a while. Yeah. Um like when you look at Joseph and his coat, um, the guy that he ends up working for, the pharaoh, the pharaoh, he, yeah. he's a nice guy as well, isn't he? Yeah. He all of a sudden he's he's not this big mean pharaoh anymore. No. He, he's a nice guy who puts J- Joseph in a position of responsibility. So there's something about the way that biblically, I just bashed the microphone with yeah. my hand. So sorry if it went bang for anybody at home. Yeah. Um, there's something about the way that that they're portrayed in, in the literature but that don't you doesn't think fit with the history line. History. Ah, but do you, do you think, though, what we've got in the Bible is that it, it's what they call a hyperlinked text. Is This is why, to understand the Bible, we have to understand it as one whole story which repeats over and over and over again throughout the Bible, right? So each of the biblical stories reflects the the individual biblical stories reflects one of these great overarching stories yeah so look at what you just said now joseph is the assistant to the pharaoh yeah right and in exile which they were in egypt right yeah. 
they were in exile because he got thrown there by his brothers. Yeah. And he assists the pharaohs, the ruler, and then brings about justice by yeah. assisting. Then we have exactly the same story with Daniel in Babylon, who is the assistant to Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king of Babylon. Yeah. So they're deliberately showing that these stories are the same stories. Yeah. That happen. So it's it's a re- so the exile is a repeat of what happened there, slavery in Egypt. But the message through the books, um, and and the the over the top hope that runs through these particular books, it is is exactly that. It's the fact that the repeated message is that God will deliver you. And save you. Yeah, which is... It's the we, message of salvation. Exactly. Um, and so no matter how bleak it is, God's going to deliver you from, from your time of trouble. That's right. Whether that be in a lion's den or whether that be in exile. Or, or in prison like Joseph yeah. was with the with the baker and all of that. Like, So it's the same story over and over again. And, and, and I think that's the story which we can reflect in our own lives where we can draw hope from is that when things have gone wrong, so like in COVID or whatever, is what we see there is almost a replaying of this story of exile where we decided to worship the wrong gods Yeah, because we all worshipped the science because the science would save us. We all bowed down to it. And um, it all got very dark very quickly, didn't it? That's what I think. Well, we, that's the thing. So we, I'm not sciencey enough to understand all of that. But I think intricate what, stuff that happened during. COVID. No, no. But what I mean is, is it, is it? I think there's a difference sometimes between. Sometimes I think that the way we treated science there was more worship than anything we, else, and I think that. Was, I think that's very true. I think that's yeah. very true, and I think that is compounded by the fact that. Um, our freedom to worship was not taken away, but modified and restrained to such an extent that it was not recognisable as worship anymore. Yeah. So we were we were we were exiled in effect. We were during that period. We were, yeah. Um, and and maybe Maybe we could have been, maybe I could have been, I personally could have been a bit more like Daniel. Maybe I could have been a bit more like Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego. But uh, that's something I'll have to live with. But yeah. I mean, that's, so that's the thing. But I throw myself on the mercy of God. But I think the last story in this section we can talk about, and I will talk about it just because it's got a really, really cool um, Iron Maiden song based on it, is Belshazzar's Feast, right? So it's got this amazing Iron Maiden uh, video, right, uh, which came out just after COVID, uh, called Belshazzar's Feast, which is called The Writing on the Wall. It's the story of the writing on the wall, mm-hmm. yeah? And what um, Iron Maiden did... Are oh, your phones going off just as going on about Maiden? Who's that? I know. Uh, well, I don't know. All right. It's recognised the number and has signed it to a business. Oh, fair enough, eh? Um, I think it's people who want to 
look at whether or not we got asbestos in the house. Oh, them. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, they came round you. Anyway. We've had the Legionnaires people. They've made an appointment already. So. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, she's quite nice. She's, she's like, Anyway, she comes round and does the asbestos for you. Right. Anyway, as I was saying, right, I was rudely interrupted by the asbestos people, is Iron Maiden did this really cool um, video called Belshazzar's Feast about the writing on the wall. And what this story is, is Belshazzar, who's Nebuchadnezzar's son, decides to have this massive banquet. And what he does, he gets all the vessels, like the cups and saucers and like uh, like chalices and everything from the Jewish temple, brought into his party, which is this massive like orgy and stuff, and uses them in a mockery of God, right? And during this party, a hand appears and writes uh, on the wall and nobody can understand the writing. And there's this wonderful bit where Belshazzar looks at it and basically poos his pants, basically, doesn't he? Yeah. He does. He does. That's what it actually lit. It, it makes it not quite as clear in the English translation, but if you read the original think... Greek and Hebrew, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm not an expert on Hebrew, but I read it in Greek and it, it's quite funny. And then Daniel comes in and translates the writing on the wall and says, basically, you're going to get whacked. And then Cyrus, the uh, king of Persia, comes in and destroys Babylon. And then we'll talk about it more next week, is where Cyrus then takes the Jewish people back to the promised land and all those extreme hope poems from Isaiah, uh, Ezekiel, are fulfilled in the rebuilding of the temple. And I, I love his story, not just because it's an Iron Maiden song, but partly because of that, because I think that in our time at the moment, we can... Iron Maiden have seen this story as relevant in that uh, how it can feel like we're run by these corrupt, awful people, right? Yeah. And we are controlled as a people, as a human race through these people. But there is hope that the right that through their own uh, evil that will go on back onto them, and they will destroy themselves through their own evil, which is what the writing on the wall shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that I think more significantly though is that um, more significantly an Iron Maiden. Yeah, is that (laughs) that as humanity we repeatedly put our hope and our trust in the wrong place. Yeah, we do. And that, that if we just kept putting our hope and trust in God, we would be delivered. Um, but but we don't. We put it in political parties. Um, in the words of Oasis, don't put your life in the hands of a rock and roll band. Yeah. Or throw it all away. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, <laughs> Show your there's age now. probably never a more true lyric in any song. I yeah, think. I think so, yeah. Um, and that's what we do. We put our hope in things that are transient and not things that are eternal eternal yeah and i think what what we see at the end of the exile is that cyrus the persian actually comes in and does the work of god for the people of israel even though he's not uh, a worshiper of god even though he's not anything to do with the hebrew story so what it's actually saying is that god will be ultimately merciful to all of us regardless of what we do or say or whatever. Yeah. So in the end, mercy trumps justice. Yeah. In the end, after all this saga, um, God has redeemed the people of Israel. 
and Belshazzar has faced justice for what he's done. And um, the writing was on the wall for him at the end. And at the end of... I'll have to show it. I'm going to put it in the Substack version. I'll put it in the um, in the, the Red Circle notes. A, a link to the Iron Maiden video, right? Dave's going to watch it because it's really cool. At the end, after the people are saved at the end of the music video, right? Yeah, Adam and Eve are saved. They go... They escape this uh, desert... And then they eat the apple again to show that human beings always repeat the same mistakes. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. It's, and it's well, got, I mean, we do. That's, yeah, a, that's a hyper truth. It is. Right there. So what you've got there is the reason that the Bible is true is actually because it's hyper true because even... You we know, had a question, didn't we? To Steve say, Barris is... Uh, oh, did you... Did I share that question with you? Oh, is that the one about hyper true? Hyper true. Is hyper true an actual thing? Yeah. Or did Howell make it up, I think was the thing. Oh, right. Okay. No, okay. Okay. So, well, so actually, whether or not it's a well-known expression, <laughs> it, it actually is an expression that works for a reality that's that repeats itself through human Okay, it, it's not. History. It's not a true. It's something I've made up. Okay, it's it, good though. Is you it, should you should patent that. Yeah, is something I made up. Is where it comes from. This is going to get really boring in a way, but it basically it comes from this idea of called hyperrealism, right? right. So hyperrealism is things like the Kardashians. So, you know, if you look at a, a model on the telly, right, yeah? Yeah. You don't know whether what you're seeing is real or not because they get touched up with, like, Photoshop and things like that. Right. Yeah. And the news is hyper-real because you're not really sure whether it's true or not. Right, okay. Do you see what I mean? So this idea, which is a sociological thing, is of hyper-reality, is where the reality that we see through the media is so massaged and messed about with that it's not actually real anymore. It's hyper-real. Right. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, it does, yeah? yeah. Okay. So what I've done, and there's another term called hypernormal or hypernormalization, which was coined um, at the end of the Soviet Union, yeah. where everybody knew that uh, the Soviet system wasn't working because they could see it all around them, right? Yeah. But the media, like Prada, they're... Um, uh, or Prava, not Prada, Prava, which was means truth in Russian, is their newspaper, kept on saying everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's good. So they yeah. they, they called it hyper-normal because it wasn't normal, but they couldn't see a way out. Does that does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. So they knew everything was falling apart, but they couldn't they couldn't imagine anything out of it. Yeah. So what hyper truth is is something I've made up, which is the opposite of hyper-normal and um, uh, hyper-real. Right. Because it's truths which are true for all time. Yeah. So, like, so, uh, the Belshazzar's Feast uh, with the writing on the wall is true because it's not an accident that Steve Harris from Iron Maiden has picked up that idea and applied it to today to show that it's still true. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's my answer. I'm I'm sorry for inventing a new word, but uh Who do you think you are, William Shakespeare? Well, I don't know. It's a new concept maybe. I don't know. Maybe I should write something about it. I don't know. But uh it helps me understand things. So in our next bit we're gonna be talking about um our thing called shelter, which shelter, is our yeah. shelter, yeah, on Prime. <laughs> 
you're listening to those vicar blokes um thank you very much for listening don't forget to leave us some comments on the Substack, um or and rate us and like subscribe all of that stuff and don't forget the other ones as well we've got um the connection podcast as well that you can connect up to which is uh across Froomside and uh and yate and what's what's ben's one called now? homilia homilia he's written that in greek haven't he yes yeah uh cb uh, did he do greek in college i I've, i guess he must have we all had to do some didn't we to some degree i did greek i yeah. did baby greek i did proper greek I yeah well, you would wouldn't you yeah well yeah. you're a keener aren't you i'm not a keener i was just you're under, a keener i was just under 30 yeah, anyway, so, to, uh, so, uh, no. yeah, so was he. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's his homilets, as he calls them, from midweek, and his sermon scripts from the weekends. And, yeah, it's quite good. Quite good. Um, yeah. Well, so it was my turn to pick the telly. Yeah. You liked it, didn't you? No, you didn't, did you? It was boring. It was it was too normy for you, was it? It was. It was just one of these teenage things. So again. We, what, why, why do you want to watch these teenage well, things? Well, actually, well, I hadn't seen it, had teenage. I? I suggested it because I like Harlan Coburn and his writing. Well, I didn't realise that he was setting this at a different age group. It's the reverse, in effect, of um, Harry Potter to that other thing. Strike. So... What's Strike? St- oh, you've not seen Strike? No. Okay. Well, Strike is um, J.K. Rowling writing under a pseudonym, um, a, a detective Oh, yeah, you thing. heard about that. That's so, the thing she got in trouble for, isn't it? Yeah. yeah so anyway, yeah, yeah. Strike Strike was good, but it was the adult. It was aimed at adults, whereas Harry Potter is obviously aimed at children. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I didn't realise when I sat this that Harlan Coburn has, has put the target audience for this particular thing is 11 to 18 and i also didn't realize that his contract with netflix meant that he had to change his style completely in order to release it on prime because it fell outside the bounds of his netflix contract oh okay and so that all of this was interesting stuff that i oh there's loads of really good stuff on netflix go back um safe is good you wouldn't like it but it's good um because it's um it's objective, not subjective. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. Yeah. All right, Subjectively, yeah. you're un- incapable of being objective about good telly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just saw it. It's just a bit boring. But I quite like this story on Shelter, but you, you got two episodes in, so you did well, an episode better than you normally I t- do. Do you know what I reckon it is? I reckon it's Lost has put me off all this stuff. Do you remember Lost? Yeah. Right. But I didn't really watch that intently because it went on so yeah. i saw a few but i didn't want i didn't well, watch i just them. got really into lost years ago right yeah but it was about 10 years ago something yeah. like that ages and ages ago right and the thing was he set up all these mysteries and i usually like mysteries right it sets up all these different mysteries and then they weren't resolved so i think now when i watch like things like this safe where it's not safe sorry shelter, shelter it sets up all these mysteries and stuff about you know what could happen and I'm here going like, I bet they're not going to resolve it. I'm not going to, I'm not interested. Yeah, see, I've still got. See what I mean? I've, I've just I've lost wait. hope in them that the they're going to explain it. The internet says I've got to wait till Thursday. But then another site said I've got to wait till Friday for the last episode of the Shelter thing to see if it's resolved. Now, it's a little bit Stranger Things in its style of 
filming, I think. Yeah, it is a bit, And it's yeah, style yeah. of story. Yeah. So if you like Stranger Things, you might like it. I quite like Stranger um, Things, yeah. But there's lots of couldn't possibly happens in it. Yeah, I don't mind that so much. Um, so do you want to say something about what happens in it? Like this bloke's dad, this this kid's um, uh, is um, that that annoyed me as well a lot. Is anyway, I won't go into that. His son, um, his dad dies, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So so they move back to the country because the son is really good at basketball, and his his uncle was a really good basketball player. You know, That's it. famous and all the rest of it. So so they move back to the country and. Um, they're listening to what is their family song on the radio and they get sideswiped by a big lorry. That's it. Um, and he watches his dad die. Or at least he thinks he watches his dad die because I'm seven episodes in and I'm not sure his dad's dead. Yeah, because that old woman turns up and tells him. Yeah, Bat Lady. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Bat Lady um, was a war hero who saved loads and loads of children. Oh, right. And she is the secret brains behind an organisation that continues to save children. Um, and this lad's dad worked for that organisation. Oh, that was the one the history teacher was on about. Yeah. She's from Greece, she is. She is, yeah. yeah my wife said that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I reckon yeah, it was her voice. Her, yeah. Yeah. It was a, she's the one from Greece, from the Pink Ladies, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Booty school dropout. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, basically, the, the, his dad worked for this organisation. There's loads of people who work for this organisation and they they save children from abusive parents, from trafficking organisations, from um, lives of um, depravity and misery, basically. Oh, right, yeah. Um, and so she views the lad as being the next great hope for the organisation and saving children. Ah, okay. Um, so I don't I give too much away because people might not be yeah, that far into it. So what's the it. theological take on it? Because I was trying to work that out and I was just like, yeah. Well, I never really got to a theological take on it. What we get on it is um, the humanitarian take on it that bad stuff does happen. Yeah. But that actually there are some people and a lot of people really who are um, trying to um, stem that and do the right thing in spite of all of the opposition. In spite of the dangers, they still try to put other people's needs ahead of their own. So it's Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego. Yeah. So in spite of the living in um, a culture which is totally oppressive, they still stand for what is good. Yeah, so it is. Yeah, the yeah. theological take. And so it's yeah. it, so it, so it's a hyper truth, isn't it? Yeah. In reality, the story is a hyper truth. Now oh. you might yeah you, you <laughs> might not like you might not like the program, but that's probably oh, because right. in yeah. its art form, it's yeah. become subjective instead of objective. Yeah, it's, see, how all these things come round all around, oh, don't they? Yeah, they do. But I think it's yeah. This the thing is, it is about standing up for what I think is. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things where you just watch it and you're thinking, now you've told me about I'll probably like it a bit more, actually, because I, uh, it's a bit like, where's this going? I bet this is going nowhere. So you've inspired me to watch a bit more because I might have a bit more hope that it'll actually be a decent story rather than some kind of 
ridiculous law thing, which is I don't care about. Oh yeah, but it's not that. Do you see what I mean? It's not that. The the the, the yeah. law are not involved in it at all. Um, I mean yeah. there is a policeman in it, but he no, plays, no, I mean law. He plays a, a fairly insignificant part, and not laws in L A W L O R E law. You know law. No. Oh, it, it's a nerd term. Is that is what law is? Is basically um, the backstory of something. Oh, well, so you see what I mean. Well, so, I don't think it is, but then I don't know where it's going to go next. Uh, a very complicated backstory that so it would be like um, the law of Spider Man would be the whole story of Spider Man or something like that. Right. Yeah? Okay. Or like Game of Thrones has got a deep law. They would say. Right. Okay. I've never heard that. Basically, by all, the Bible is basically the ultimate deep law. Basically, right. yeah. So they, they okay. there's something. Um, but yeah. I haven't reached nerd level to know that. No, you right, need to okay. be educated. Nerdy. E- educated and nerd them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, next time then we're watching, what are we watching? Uh, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. Um, now, I, I, ca- I came in last night, right? And my missus was watching the Kardashians. Right. right? And I said, we should get Dave to watch this just for a laugh. So will you watch the Kardashians? That would be well funny. Have you ever seen the Kardashians? I've never seen it, no. You watch the Kardashians. Right, okay. If I have to. But we've got to review The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Oh, we're watching first that first. Because, yeah, yeah, because that's going to be really good. Because that was a recommendation and we yeah, tried so Mike, to follow our recommendations. Yeah, Mike's right? recommended it. If you have any yeah. other... If you want to save Dave from the Kardashians, send in some recommendations. Do you know what else I saw last week, though? Is what? that Hollyoaks is finishing. Oh, that is bad. And so I haven't seen it in a long time. I'm it's been going 25 that. years. I don't think I've watched it in I'm 20 years. That. But when the last episode airs, we should watch that. What, the last episode of Hollyoaks? Yeah. I've never seen it. We Holly should Oaks. commiserate as it goes. I've seen half an episode of Hollyoaks. You've missed out. It was just these. Were you, sort of... It came out when you were a teenager, didn't it? No. Surely you should have bought into that teenage angst. No. You're going to tell me you've never seen Skins next. I've never seen that either. Oh my gosh. I've never seen that. Oh my gosh. Well, you haven't seen Game of Thrones. What's Skins anyway? What is it? Oh, well, no, see. You're not a proper Bristolian, are you? So no. That's the thing. It's a teenage an- angst thing through the lives of the difficult Bristles. lives of teenagers. But it was formed. It was filmed in Bristol. Oh, one right, of the okay. actors lived three doors down from her brother-in-law. One of the flats that they used to film was three doors away from where my brother used to oh, live. Oh, that's like me. So with it's Band all in that, like where you got to yeah, watch things because 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 you know the places. Well, you know, do you remember the in the nineties there was a there was a program called Band of Gold? Do you remember that about yeah. prostitutes? Yeah, yeah. It was set in Bradford when I lived in Bradford. I was a student up there, right? right. Yeah, and um, we all used to watch it because it was filmed right around yeah. where we live by the university. And my mother was a bit worried about me being in university and all that, I suppose. And then at Christmas we came back and I was like, oh, go watch Band of Gold, put it on, put it on. So put on Band of Gold. And I was like, yeah, I live just around the corner from there. <laughs> and there's this person who get like stabbed and that and all this sort of thing. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's that right. must have been really just... reassuring for your mother. And yeah. my mother's like going, oh, my God, oh, my God. I was like, look, you can see there's the, there's the Richmond building team. Look, you can see, look, it's just like, yeah, there's our tower. Look, you can see it in the background. Yeah. And my mum was going berserk. But yeah, all right. So we'll watch um, Marvelous Mrs. Mason. That yeah. does sound good. Yeah, and then we can save Dave from the Kardashians. So we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.